Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing? This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. Today is Wednesday, October the 28th. Oh, my goodness, you guys. I cannot even believe the condition that we are in right now as a nation. Today, we're going to talk about what it looks like to run to the roar. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So how are you guys doing? How are you holding up? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you doing okay? We're getting close to the election and things are getting a little on the wackadoo side, which I totally get. I completely understand that. Um, I know that a lot of you are uh, going through it right now. All right. I know that the, the pressure of everything that's happening around you has been difficult, but I also hope that in the middle of all of this, we are keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And today I'm going to spend just a couple of minutes talking about running to the roar instead of running away from. We've talked about how to know your adversary. Uh, You've heard, you know, Rick Green's teaching you guys how to do it. Pastor Jack Hibbs trying to show you guys how to do it. Heidi St. John saying, hey, get off the bench and get onto the battlefield. But it's sometimes, I think that final, that, that little push that we need really just comes from scripture, right? When we watch, oh my goodness, people have been fighting this battle forever. We think it's new, but it's not. And in Deuteronomy chapter 31, starting in verse seven, we see Moses uh, giving some instruction to Joshua. He called Joshua and he said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous for you shall go with this people into the land, which the Lord has sworn to their father to give them. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you and he will be with you. Women, this is what you need to hear. Men, as you lead your families, this is what you need to hear. I think one of the things that makes me so sad about COVID-19 is the amount of men that I have seen cowering in the face of this fear. And I know it's not politically correct to say it, but women want men to protect. We, We look to our, I know, I look to my husband for protection. I obviously looked to him for leadership, but I also looked him to be uh, a protector. And I think sometimes we feel overwhelmed. And I know that the men are, a lot of men just really uh, caught off guard by this. But men, for goodness sake, we need you to be men. Uh, We got enough women. (laughs) We certainly don't need our men to be girly. But if you feel overwhelmed by the rapid changes that are happening right now around you, you're not alone. And not only that, but I'm going to encourage you guys, the battle that you're facing is not new. The good news is that we can learn from the generations of warriors who have gone before us what it looks like to bravely face our adversary. And unfortunately, the church has not been preparing us for this. The women's movement, the uh, disgusting movement of feminism has been working steadily to emasculate our men now for generations. And God's calling us to the front lines and we can't do it if we don't know how to be a warrior. And so as the Apostle Paul was waiting to uh, connect with fellow travelers in Athens, the Bible records he was so moved by what he saw happening around us, around him, rather that he couldn't help but bring God into the conversation. Look at this passage out of Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to 28. Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I noticed that you're religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines and one of your altars had this inscription on it to an unknown God. This God 
whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it, and since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and when they should fall and determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. That's Acts 17, 22 through 28. It's easy to want to tiptoe onto the battlefield, I think, especially when the terrain that we or our children are entering is full of spiritual landmines. That's certainly the case right now. As I continue to hear from you, uh, many of you who say, I'm, I'm just not going to vote or, you know, you're so disappointed in me for being so outspoken, particularly in the middle of uh, a presidential election. And I think it's okay, you know, tread lightly. Uh, We want to do that for a variety of reasons, right? Fear, insecurity, pride. But check it out, you guys. The terrain that Paul was running onto wasn't much different than the battlefield that we're on today. Paul was surrounded by people who were hostile to the gospel. And surely he had reason to stay home and keep quiet. But he took every advantage of every opportunity to engage the culture. And two things in this passage should calm our fears, I hope, and enable us to run to the roar, to run onto the battlefield with confidence. First was that Paul saw an opportunity to run to the roar. And he took it. And the beautiful truth that Paul boldly proclaimed to the Athenians was not an easy one. He did not shy away from telling the straight up truth about the world that they lived in and the one that we live in now. And that is this, God is in control of everything that exists. He's not far from any of us. And in fact, he's chosen to be near. And the second thing is that Paul reminded this unbelieving, potentially hostile crowd that we live at God's pleasure. We live at God's pleasure. You guys, we need to discern the moment, as Pastor Jack would say. We are in an incredible moment in human history right now. And friends, listen to me. We think, oh, what I say doesn't make a difference. Oh, I can't do anything about this. But God uses men and women. We live in a culture that is crying out for hope and change. We look to elections. We look to social media personalities, to pastors and teachers. And honestly, you guys, we're being failed by most everybody right now. But Paul says that the help that we're so desperate for is not far away. God is sovereign, meaning he possesses ultimate power. And he wants to help us live faithfully in the midst of these circumstances that seem out of our control and even our understanding. Does it excuse us? Can we claim indifference? Can we can we uh, lean into, I guess, fatalism? Can we say, well, you know, it's going to turn out the way God wants it to because, you know, God is sovereign. So therefore, I'm just going to sit at home on my couch and watch the election returns come in and not engage in the process. No, God never did that. Not anywhere in the Bible, not anywhere in the Old Testament, anywhere in the New Testament. And if he did, he did it with a specific instruction. Be still. And I will fight for you. And men and women, unless you hear that, 
Unless the Lord himself comes down from heaven with a shout and tells you to sit it out, you can't sit it out. We need to run to the roar. We need God's help. The whole world needs Jesus. It's his hope, his change, his encouragement, and his wisdom. And today, you guys, as you head out onto the battlefield, it's my prayer that you would ask the Lord to fill you with joy, not fear. And Lord, today we thank you that you have not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And we will trust you for every battle that's ahead. Every battle that we have yet to fight, every every uh, unseen battle, every episode of uh, insanity that we see coming out of the political class right now and the wickedness that we see on full display in the streets of America and around the world. I pray, Lord, that you'd give us discernment. Father, help us to discern the moment. In Jesus' name. I'm going to take a couple of moments today. I hope you guys are enjoying this. So uh, I've been, you know, kind of vacillating, I think, back and forth with uh devotions for you, a little bit of out, of out of God's Word. A lot of what you hear me teaching on comes directly out of a book I wrote a couple years ago called Prayers for the Battlefield. You can find those books anywhere the books are sold. You can get them directly from me at HeidiStJohn.com. Just go to the store or you can find them at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, uh, almost anywhere that books are sold. And I hope it's an encouragement to you. And if you haven't left reviews for the books, I would love for you to do that Uh as it really is an encouragement to us. I want to go ahead and answer a couple of your questions today. I'm going to try to do this more regularly because these questions are uh, piling up faster, really, than I can answer them. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with, well, uh, today, I guess, I'm going to start with a question from Tina. So, hey, Tina, how you doing? She says, hi, Heidi, can you speak a bit about retirement and planning for old age as it pertains to a stay-at-home or homeschooling mom? I watched my stepmother sacrifice many years of serving her family until they were grown and out of the house. And now she has to work full time with no retirement in sight because she didn't work your typical job that would save for retirement. As a homeschool mom myself, we have to live very frugally being on a single income and I don't have the means to save. I'd be lying if I didn't say I was a bit anxious about what's going to happen when my kids leave the nest. I have some health problems and can foresee working into my old age as being something that would be very difficult. Recognizing that many of us are living frugally with already little time on our hands uh, as we go about our days. Thank you. All right, Tina. So uh, the Bible is, I mean, God's into planning. I don't know if you noticed this, but I've I've told you guys before, we have a a food pantry, my husband and I do, uh, and we've been, you know, working at building that up very slowly over the years. One of the reasons we do that is because the Bible says that there's wisdom in planning. And uh, I've been a fan of Dave Ramsey, and there's, you know, if you have the means. So I realize a lot of you listening to this, and I would probably put myself in this category because this was most of my life raising children uh, because we were living on one income and it was usually a pretty basic not very exciting income, uh, people would say, what are you saving for retirement? I'd be like, are you kidding right now? Because I'm just trying to buy groceries. So when we're doing the best that we can, I mean, obviously you're going to be looking, there's lots of different ways for us to make a living in the culture, not the least of which is the internet, right? Uh, we do the best that we can. So for years when I was younger, when our kids were home, you guys, I sold Tupperware. I mean, for goodness sake, I really did. I sold Tupperware. I did, I don't know if you guys remember the Nest family videos. I did those for many years uh, when Savannah, so this is like 25 years ago. 
because I was trying to supplement our income. And then we had seven children and, you know, five, six, seven children, and there's no way I could do it. Eventually I started a blog really just for fun and eventually learned how to monetize that. But I think at the end of the day, we want to be wise with what we have. We want to be frugal in how we spend our money. And then if you haven't been able to save for your retirement, can I just encourage you right now that I do believe with all my heart, if you've done everything you can do, God will do everything he can do. And, uh, you know, Jay and I are always teasing our kids. Those seven kids are our retirement plan. (laughs) Don't get mad. Nobody send me letters. Okay. I'm not, I will delete your letter. (laughs) You know, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, I do believe that there's something to be said for families taking care of family members. And I realize that's not the case for everybody. Um, but I also think that God will take care of you. And so that's, we don't want to live in fear. We want to be wise. We want to be, uh, frugal, but we don't want to be fearful. And so, um, I just, can I just encourage you? It sounds like you've got a bunch of young kids at home. Um, I, I just, I know because I've walked this out on my own life. I think God's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of you. And so show him, ask him, Lord, how do you want me to do this? What do you want this to look like? Someone told me the other day, and I think this is really smart. She heard this on uh, Dave Ramsey talking about uh, taking insurance out for long-term care. And this has been an issue in our in our family as we have uh, been taking care of our of our aging parents. And I know many of you have written into me saying you've got people in your family, older parents, especially with dementia, Alzheimer's, things like that. And those uh, care facilities, should you need it, like a memory care facility, it's always in my heart to say, hey, is if, if we can keep our parents home, that's what we want to do. I think that honors God. Uh, but if you did need something like that, you know, uh, Dave Ramsey recommends uh, um, before you turn 60 that you take out insurance for long-term care. I think that's a wise move as well. So uh, I would check out, I mean, I've looked to for years, Dave Ramsey, I would, I would encourage you. uh, I would encourage you to do that. All right, here comes the next question. Heidi, I work for church and we've been instructed by our pastor not to talk about politics. Uh, Okay. Uh, Or the candidate that we support. We are not allowed to post anything on social media, not allowed to share or like any posts. I'd like to know how you feel about it. Um, I hate it. I hate it. I think that's an incredible lack of discernment. I, I, you know, without being a jerk, I would say shame on your pastor. Uh, who does he think is going to determine policy for his church and whether or not his church has freedom? Uh, that will be a politician. Uh, the Democrats right now are hell-bent, and I use the word hell because I, I think this comes from the pit of hell, to silence Christian radio, to silence Christian publishers. And your pastor, I don't know, I'm not, you know, I know this pastor's listening to me. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but that is the most foolish, uh, short-sighted instruction that I've seen a pastor give to a church in recent memory. So if I worked for a church and he said, no politics, you can't talk about the candidates you're going to endorse, you can't like any, I'd be like, bye-bye, I'm going to find myself a different job and a different church. That actually makes me, so you said, you know, how do you feel about that? So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, I don't understand you guys. I don't, and half the reason that we're in the situation that we're in right now, frankly, is because of pastors like that. Uh, you know, wow. I just, it's, I, it, it, it boggles the imagination. It's hard for me to even put into words. I don't know how we got to this point because it's not scriptural. We are called to use our minds to be thinking. And uh, people say, well, that you don't want to be partisan. No, but you do want to be godly. So if the 
if the differences between the two platforms are as stark as they are right now, Christians should have no trouble choosing one. Uh, yeah. And so, wow, that's, woo, that is, that's a, that, wow. All right. Here comes the next question. Hi, Heidi. Hey, how you doing? Who is this from? I'm trying to read your name and I'm having a hard time reading it. Uh, oh, because you didn't leave a name. So this is going to be anonymous. She says, we are against mask and we homeschool. I have five children ages eight and under after being home for so long. Youngest is nine months old. I've had surgery since his birth and then COVID. I finally signed my girls up for art class at our local community center. I was hoping the girls would be able to take their masks uh, off and is distanced. But if I'm not, I told them to at least try to pull down under their nose. My daughter was told by the teacher that it is rude to pull the mask down under your nose. <laughs> okay. Guys, please don't put masks on your children. I mean, I, don't, I just feel like I just want to beg you. Don't put masks on your kids. I've said all the reasons for this that I can think of. Besides the fact we know children aren't carriers of this thing. We are normalizing for our children what is absolutely abnormal. She goes on to say, I don't want to be the reason for division, but I don't want my children in an environment that will make them put down because we view COVID differently. We respect others, the elderly. We keep our distance on walks. And when we know that it's requested or preferred of us, heck, even my own parents are all about the masks. But for my daughter to be told it is rude or she is rude to be doing that bothers me. Similar to the you don't love your neighbor if you don't wear a mask manipulation. Do I let it slide or pull them out of the class for the time being? Okay, since you're asking me my opinion, and this is, you guys know what I'm going to (laughs) say. Since you're asking me my opinion, this is not a thus saith the Lord, all right? Uh, I'd pull them. I would not have, I would not go to a church like that. I wouldn't go to a class like that. Uh, I just wonder, you know, I keep hearing people say, well, this is the new normal. This is not the new normal. This is a gross misunderstanding of what normal should be. And like I said a couple of days ago, and I'm going to keep saying it, where do we draw the line? You guys, the flu can kill you. Pneumonia can kill you. Tuberculosis can kill you. Uh, for goodness sake, if you're living with a bunch of comorbidities, you could die from the common cold. You could get an, a pulmonary embolism tomorrow and die. We got to stop this. It's crazy. So uh, I'm sorry that that's happening to you. I just, um, wow, I'm just, my goodness. All right. Last question, for, question, question. <laughs> Last question for the day. Heidi, thank you so much for always telling the truth about homeschooling, that it is the hardest, best thing a mom can ever do. You're welcome. We are in the hard part right now. I feel like my kids are constantly fighting, arguing with me or whining. And you always say that character trumps curriculum. So I'm wondering if you have any creative ideas or resources to help with this. We've just moved to a new town and because of COVID, so many things are closed. I know it's horrible. Churches here in Canada are open, but with mask mandates and social distancing restrictions, my husband and I both feel strongly about not engaging in mask wearing. So we haven't been attending church. Uh, meeting people has been next to impossible. My kids and I are together all the time. I want to be a joyful, um, time of connecting, but I feel bogged down and beaten up and I need some encouragement. Thanks for all you do. All right. You're welcome. So, uh, one thing I just want to say, uh, Jessica, cause I think I see this is from Jessica, Jessica, uh, let yourself off the hook a little bit. All right. This is rough. And I know you guys are having a really hard time in Canada. I have, my, I have several friends who are Canadian and uh, I am grieving for the state of your nation. You guys need a Trump up there. And instead you got, you know, ding dong Trudeau. Uh, as much as you can, I'd be looking on, you know, I would really be ch- checking out. Are there any Facebook 
groups that meet in person? Is there anybody that meets in person? And if not, you might want to dial back on how hard you're pushing with homeschooling and see what kinds of things that you, you can do with your kids that you would look forward to. Maybe it's making cookies. Maybe it's learning how to bake bread. Maybe it's, um, you know, just something that your kids can be involved in that's not just putting you in the position of constantly feeling like you're just teaching, 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 teaching. And, and ask the Lord to give you wisdom as you navigate this, because it really is difficult. You, I mean, I cannot stress enough, and this is why I've, I rail so hard against the masks and so hard against the Rona and so hard against the lockdowns. I see a demonic uh, component to it, and it brings with it this uh, oppression and this sadness. And so I, I hear you, what you're saying. I would say uh, you've got so many kids that are young now, focus on what you can do that will be life-giving to them and life-giving for you. So I would just encourage you to do that. All right. Uh, you guys, I'm out of time for today. I hope this has been encouraging for you. If you're in the Portland, Vancouver metropolitan area, I want to let you know that tonight I will be teaching live uh, the Bible study people get ready at the Firmly Planted Homeschool Resource Center. If you're going to come, please bring a notebook in your Bible and uh, and download this study so that you can have it with you because I'm going to be taking you guys through that study. This is an incredible time, you guys, to be a Christian. It's an incredible time to uh, discern the moment that we live in and say, Lord, help us to be both salt and light. Help us not to live with this this spirit of fear, this um, this the spirit that we are observing right now that we see happening all around us. It doesn't have to have a, a grip on your family. It doesn't have to have a grip on your life. I'm going to encourage you like I always do back toward the word of God so that you guys can be, you can rightly divide his word and run to the roar. You can run to it. You don't have to run away from it. And I'm praying right now for men and women of courage to rise up and stand in the gap. You guys be praying for the United States. I know a lot of you are listening to this, like my friend uh, today, who is a Canadian citizen, please be praying for our country. Uh, The election is just a few days away. I hope that you will join me in a spirit of prayer and fasting as we come before the Lord every day. And we ask the Lord for wisdom, for guidance, and mercy. We are in need of his mercy right now. Thanks for listening today. I love you guys so much, and I'll see you back here tomorrow. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.